millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host, and this is a Tuesday episode because on Friday, we are going to talk all about Tesla's Q3 2022 earnings call. So let's get into it, shall we? I asked you folks, what do you think the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration should call uh over-the-air updates? Instead of recalls, we need to call them something different. Mark from the UK He's a Patreon supporter. Hi, Mark. He suggested uh, calling them mandatory updates. So here's his email. My suggestion phrase, instead of recall, where the OTA fix is the solution, my understanding of a recall is that they are logged so a new buyer can check which recalls are needed and which have been carried out. So mandatory update is my suggestion. To which I say, this is a great point. I hadn't considered that they needed a way to log those recalls and whether or not they had actually been fulfilled or not. So that great job, Mark. Uh, you, I learned something. I'm actually embarrassed that I did not think of that. If you have a suggestion on what the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration should call these updates, these over-the-air updates that are now currently called recalls and get a lot of news because, you know, one and a half million vehicles are being recalled. And in reality, it's just a simple software update. If you have an idea of what they should be called, email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. All right, let's go ahead and jump into our news this week. Lincoln is asking their dealers to invest up to $900,000 on chargers, equipment, and infrastructure if they want to sell Lincoln EVs. This is really similar to what Ford is doing with their electric vehicles and their dealers. Like they're saying, if you want to sell electric vehicles, then you got to invest in this infrastructure. And this is no surprise since Ford actually owns Lincoln. The the part of this that doesn't make sense to me, because it makes sense for Ford to do this because they're currently selling electric vehicles, right? Uh, even though it's only two. But it doesn't make sense that they're that Lincoln's doing this right now because Lincoln doesn't actually sell an electric vehicle and they may not sell an AV for years, or at least one that we know about. It's always possible that Lincoln will come out with a, an electric vehicle based on you know, the F-150 Lightning or the the Mach-E, 
right? That's always possible that they can come up, they can announce that next week and it could be out, you know, in 2023. But as of right now, we really don't have anything concrete that Lincoln is working on. Now, I'm sure they're working on something, but to require the dealers to make this big investment without having an electric vehicle, like, you know, within, let's just say a year, for sure, we're going to have an electric vehicle in 2023 from Lincoln, seems a little premature. Dealers need to make a decision by December 15th, 2022. So it's not that far away that they need to be like, yay or nay, that they're in. And just like Ford, there's enrollment periods. So if you don't enroll by dis- on December 15th, you have to wait until 2026, the end of 2026, to enroll again. And you won't be able to start selling EVs until 2027. So if, let's just say, Lincoln comes out with the greatest EV ever during that time period, you're locked out of selling that vehicle. Now, the thing that I don't know is that Ford kind of has these tiered systems. They have two tiers. You pay a certain amount of money. And you get a certain amount of EVs, right? It's a fairly low investment versus if you make the bigger investment, you basically get as many EVs as you can sell. It doesn't sound like uh, Lincoln is doing that. And it's probably not appropriate. Like if I was a Lincoln dealer, I I don't think I would invest the $900,000 at this time. Like Lincoln wants two DC fast chargers. Why would you want two DC fast chargers if at the moment you're not selling an EV and it's not on the horizon? It just seems like, I mean, I I understand that they're prepping for something, but it seems unnecessary uh, to be giving them uh, this, this short of a deadline. Now, in a few weeks, I fully recognize in a few weeks that we might actually get news that makes all of this make sense. Right. But right now, to me, it doesn't make sense financially to spend almost a million dollars. And in reality, what you're really not you're not going to recoup your your money until Ford actually, you know, releases an EV. Like, I don't know that it's going to be. I don't know. It makes financial sense, but I'm not a business person. The 2023 GMC Sierra Denali electric truck will be revealed on October 20th. Now, this is going to be a busy day because October 20th is when Tesla is going to do their earnings call. I'll be putting together the earnings call. But if it makes sense, I'll add portions to next Tuesday's episode highlighting the GMC Denali electric truck. That's a mouthful. So, But I'm looking forward to seeing this. Speaking of GM, did you know that the GM EV1 was leased and delivered through Saturn dealership? Back in the 90s, Saturn was supposed to be the new way to buy a car. And it's a GM property, or it was, because Saturn's not around anymore. And I actually bought a Saturn. That was my first brand new car that I bought. It was the sedan. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Uh, but they take you into like this little showroom area where your car is and they all clap for you. I don't like this kind of attention, by the way. But part of the fun was them to make a big deal out of buying a car. Well, I read this article on carswithcords.net and I'll put a link in the show notes to that article because you should go and read it. There's actually a little bit more to that article than what I what I gave you, but I just wanted, that was just a fun little factoid that I thought uh, people might find interesting. By the way, hi, Patrick. All right, let's go ahead and talk about Honda. We all know Honda is very far behind when it comes to EVs. To catch up, Honda has partnered with GM, and they're going to use their Ultium EV platform. Like the new... 
Honda Prologue EV is actually built on the Ultium platform, and it's probably going to be very similar to the Chevy Blazer EV, if I had to guess. Well, Honda is also working on a new EV brand with Sony. Right now, it's called Sony Honda Mobility, which probably not the final name for that brand because it's terrible. As it stands right now, their first luxury-oriented EV won't be out until 2026, and it's likely going to be a direct-to-consumer sales situation, much like Rivian does and Tesla does. But Honda dealers are seeing the writing on the wall, and they're arguing that they play a valuable role in the sales process. And as a general rule, for companies like Ford, Chevy, Volvo, um, Dodge or Stellantis for those companies who already have dealerships in place. I do think dealers will have a fairly valuable role in the sales process, but I don't think it's going to be the same. Like, I don't think dealers are going to be playing the same role as they do today. If you look at Ford, what Ford has done with their Model E brand, dealers can price vehicles at whatever price they want, at whatever price they think is fair. Like if they want to take an F-150 Lightning Limited, which is like $75,000 or the Lariat, not limited, which is like $75,000 and they want to add another $75,000 to that, they're welcome to do it. But customers can go to Ford's website and look at all of the prices from Ford dealers for that particular vehicle, all of the Ford dealers in their area, and they can pick a, a price that works for them. Like not many people are, are going to go out and spend, you know, $150,000 on a $75,000 truck when there's a a Ford dealership, you know, 10 miles away or 10 miles further down the road that will sell it to you for $75,000. It just doesn't make sense. So I think that dealerships are going to be forced into a different role the next 10 or 12 years are going to be very interesting and i'm I'm hoping to be still doing this podcast in that time and we'll chronicle it here and as a side note uh just this has nothing to do with auto dealerships this has to do with sony honda mobility they want to offer software subscription services for their cars now i let out a string of curse words that uh in, involved an f and a u when it comes to to this like when you buy a car when i buy a car and i don't know about you but when i buy a car i do not want to be uh hit with a bunch of software subscriptions so that i can have heated seats like i don't i'm not paying 12 dollars a month or whatever you think you want to charge me so that i can have heated and ventilated seats when it's already built into the car like this kind of mentality is is maddening to me it's it's a hundred percent greed but before I get too animated about this and say something stupid, we'll have to wait and see what they're really thinking about when it comes to subscription services. But as a general rule, this is a terrible idea. We'll know more when they launch the vehicle in 2026 and they have plenty of time to change their mind. But it's unlikely that they will. Anyway, this week was the Paris Motor Show and Jeep revealed the Avenger EV. There's a reason that they revealed the Avenger EV at the Paris Motor Show, and that's because it's not becoming, it's not coming to North America. It's going to stay in Europe. So the specs of this car is that, first of all, it's small. It's the smallest Jeep model that they make. It's 6.3 inches shorter than the Jeep Renegade, which is the smallest Jeep vehicle that they sell here in the United States. It'll feature a 10.25 inch 
touchscreen infotainment system. Uh, it's got driver assist systems, although they didn't really go into what those were, uh, like lane keep assist and that kind of thing, but they didn't go into great de- detail. It's all the things that you would normally think. Front wheel drive, 154 horsepower, 100 kilowatt max charge rate, which is a little low, 54 kilowatt hour battery pack, 249 mile range, and it will charge between 20 and 80% in 24 minutes. That's not terrible. Uh, overall, I'm excited to see what people think of the Avenger in Europe. If you listen to the show and you buy one and you want to give me your opinion, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Hyundai will be breaking ground on their new EV factory, and they're going to call it the Meta Plant. They're actually breaking ground on the Meta Plant in Savannah, Georgia on October 25th. I don't know why they call it the Meta Plant. <laughs> All I think of is Facebook's Meta and then uh, just a plant, like a regular old plant that you have at your desk. Anyway, this is going to be a $5.5 billion factory, and it will have an annual capacity of 300,000 vehicles once they get up and running. Hyundai has also pledged a total of $10 billion investment into the U.S. mobility market. I don't know where, what they're going to do with that other $4.5 billion, but, you know, cool. This plant is in response to the Inflation Reduction Act, which we've talked about uh, recently. Last week, I mentioned that European officials were not happy with the tax credit requirements found in the Inflation Reduction Act, and they would be meeting with U.S. officials. Well, it turns out South Korea and Hyundai are also not pleased with the tax credit requirements, and they also plan to meet with U.S. officials. Cars should start rolling off the line at this plant, at the Meta plant, in 2026. All right, we have some follow-up here on Nikola Motors founder and former CEO Trevor Milton. He has been found guilty on three counts of criminal fraud, two counts of wire fraud and one count of securities fraud. I am not a lawyer, so I will not uh, I will not try to explain those counts to you because as I'm learning, as I, as I dig into more of this stuff, I do not understand. Like what you think it means probably isn't what it means as a layman. That's what I'm saying. But Milton was actually facing four counts of fraud. He got, uh, he was found guilty of three. The maximum sentence on this is 20 to 25 years in prison for the top charge. Milton still claims he did nothing wrong. And that when he was making these statements, he was talking about their business plan. Um, Maybe. Evidently, that's not what the jury thought. And there we go. We have three counts of fraud. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Milton resigned in 2020. Nikola has turned around somewhat since that time. Uh, they had to pay like $125 million. And then they're just kind of they're just kind of uh, moving on without him. But he is currently the largest shareholder in the company. So this guy can can be found guilty. He can go to jail. He can lose some money, but he's still going to have a ton of money when he gets out. If you're new to the show and you don't know what's going on with this case, I put links in the show notes. You can also just Google Trevor Milton and Nicola and fraud and you, you'll find everything there. It's a pretty interesting story. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, that is it for our EV news. Let's jump into our Tesla news. A report from... Handelsblatt, a German media outlet, has suggested that Tesla is reevaluating its plan to build 4680 cells in Germany. And really reevaluating probably isn't the right term. They're putting a pause on their German battery cell plant. And the reason why is it sounds like, now this is all rumor, so I just have to say this. We don't know if this is true or not, but it sounds like Tesla is actually moving equipment from their plant in Berlin to their plant in Texas. And the only equipment that they're going to leave in Germany is the electrode production equipment and everything else is going to Giga Texas. So the original article, the source article is Handelsblatt, right? That article is in German. I tried to find a way to convert (laughs) that uh, German to English so that it could read it, but it's also behind a paywall. So I'm relying on electric for translation. So let's go ahead and get into what the article had to say. The fact that Tesla will not start full battery cell production in its German plant for the time being apparently has other reasons than lower energy costs and new tax incentives in the United States worth billions. Several sources close to the electric car manufacturer report a significant delay in crucial but highly complex production technique. Now, Tesla has been very open when it comes to the problems they're having uh, scaling up the 4680 battery cells. Like they're, they're just they always say they're just right there. They just have one more problem to solve. Well, that one more problem either is continuing or they're finding more problems. The article went on to say this. Tesla boss Elon Musk wants to continue to build a battery cell plant in Brandenburg Brandenburg in the long term. But before that, the electric car manufacturer has to get the so-called dry coating of the electrodes under control. A total of five experts, two of whom are close to Tesla, report the test systems 
with the technology are currently running quite successfully, but that implementation in a large series is lacking. So basically they can't hit scale. Like, and Elon has mentioned this, the, the dry coding of the electrode that's been mentioned several times. So you may be asking yourself, what's the reason to bring all of this battery equipment, manufacturing equipment here to the United States? Uh, well, Cybertruck is on the horizon and it would make sense that Tesla would want the ability to build as many of these 4680 cells as possible, especially when you consider they're having a hard time building them at scale. They're probably going to need more lines to actually make this happen. Plus the Model Ys that are built at, you know, Giga Texas are supposed to also have 4680 cells do, uh, in them. Not all of them do, but they're supposed to. I think Tesla has a lot riding on the, on the Cybertruck. And if it's not a success, it's going to hurt the company. Like the Model Y at one point had 2170 cells in it, and then they decided to put 4680 cells in it. But, you know, if it turns out that they can't put 4680 cells in it, they can put the 2170 cells back in it. That's fine. But the Cybertruck and the the structural battery pack that's supposed to be built for the tr- Cybertruck, that's all supposed to be 4680 cells. And if they put 2170 cells in there, I, I think it's going to be an issue that it will end up blowing up in their face. And I don't think they want to do that. All right, let's move on to an article that was passed on to me on Twitter by Tacky Teddy. Firefighters across the country have had to revise their vehicle fire protocols as EVs hit the street. Lithium ion battery fires are notoriously difficult to extinguish when using traditional fire hoses, and many fires take thousands of gallons of water to put out. Burning Teslas get all the attention, but all brands are susceptible. Now, that's a little... (laughs) That's that's a that's a little piece of the article that I cut out because I find this to be extremely annoying. And I know I hit this a lot. I know I talk about this a lot, but it is uh, it is my bugaboo. Number one, we haven't revised our fire protocols. We still put water on the fire until the fire goes out. Number two, we we have to fight fires differently. That's just the way it is. But it has nothing to do with the traditional fire hoses that we have. Fire hoses are, we use the same fire hoses on a, an electric vehicle as we do on an ice vehicle. That makes no difference whatsoever. But that paragraph really isn't the story. That's just my bugaboo that pushed my button. Um, at least four flooded Teslas caught fire after waters from Hurricane Ian receded in Florida. Now, the salt water damages components on the, on the battery, and this can cause a fire. Now, I don't think that four is a huge number, and I don't think this is actually that big of a deal. But what I think is important is the article mentions that EVs exposed to saltwater could experience this. So any EV that is exposed to saltwater could experience this. It's not just a Tesla thing. It's it's just EVs in general. At some point, we as a as a group, like a population, the population of the world needs to just accept the fact that EVs are different than ICE cars. They're not the same. They serve the same purpose, but you know, the 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 positives and negatives are going to be different than what ICE cars are. One of the negatives about EVs is they're a little bit harder to, to put out when they catch on fire. Um I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think we need to shift our mindset. They're not an apples to apples comparison. Really, what I'm trying to get to with this is that when these kind of things happen and, and somebody in your life brings it up, take the time to educate them that like, hey, this this is just different. It's not the same. And a semi truck fire is not the same as a small sedan fire for firefighters. 
a sedan fire is pretty easily put out, right? A semi truck fire. We had this summer. We had a summer truck fire, and it was hot outside. It was, and it was like in the afternoon in Arizona in the summertime. It was hot, and we had a semi truck that where the trailer was pushed up against the building, and the semi caught on fire. The tractor caught on fire. And it was our unit was sent first and then we had to call for more units. And I think we had we had one ladder and two other engine companies helping us put this fire out because they're not the same. (laughs) It's not the same thing. Like to give you another analogy, uh, fighting a fire here in Arizona is actually we use different, subtly different tactics than what firefighters in on the East Coast do to fight fires like they have. There's just different things you're going to come up against. As a general rule, houses in Arizona are fairly new and houses on the East Coast are are older. They're built different. So we're going to fight fires differently. This is not a big deal. It's really what I'm trying to get at. All right. I'm going to I'm going to jump off my my soapbox here and we're going to talk about Teslas and cold climates. If you own a Tesla and you live in a colder climate, you might have a potential issue of the door handles freezing, especially if you own a Model Y or Model 3. Well, Tesla has added a new feature to their smartphone app, and it's called Unlatch Door. So if you live in a colder climate, let's just say Manitoba, and you go out to your car and it the, the door locks are frozen, you just pull out your app and you hit Unlatch Door and the door will just pop open. And you're good to go. You can get in your car and go about your business. So it's a pretty cool feature. I'm actually kind of surprised it took Tesla so long, so long to roll out that feature. But honestly, I'm glad that they did. Another thing that I'm glad that Tesla did is this week they launched a new home charger, a new home wall connector that works with other EVs. The new charger comes with a J1772 connector, and I realize that it's not technically the charger, but that's what we're going to call it to keep things simple. It'll feature a 24-foot cable, and it will give you up to 44 miles of range per hour, and it will cost a very reasonable $550. That's actually quite a good price. If you want to know more about EV charging, I actually did two special episodes, episodes 299 and 300. In those episodes, I just give the the basics of home charging, charging in apartments, and some commercial charging, although we didn't really get too much into that. And then episode 301, I sat down with the folks from Orange Charger, and they're trying to solve charging in multifamily units. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, I would highly suggest that they're actually full of good information. And Allison and Steve explained how electricity works in episode 300, which I'm going to tell you, they did a way better job explaining it than, than I would, because, you know, Steve actually understands how electricity works. Being an electrical engineer, I, I don't understand how it works. Like I plug something in and it works. Moving on, earlier this summer, Elon sent an internal email to employees announcing that they're going to do a hiring pause and there's going to be some reorganization in the company. And if I'm remembering right, there was actually some layoffs. Well, we now have reports coming from Electric that Tesla is now actively hiring again. So this is great news. There was some concern about the the way that the economy was going and inflation And it sounded like Tesla was trying to scale back a little bit to see where everything landed. So it's, you know, I think it's good that they're actively hiring again. In addition to hiring new employees, Tesla has leased a 700,000 square foot warehouse in Illinois 
Now, we don't know what the purpose of this warehouse will be, but Teslarati did some sleuthing and they found job postings that make it sound like Tesla's going to use this warehouse for parts distribution. And that makes sense. Uh, in Arizona, we have a lot, a lot of warehouse space and 700,000 square feet sounds like a lot. And it is, but it's not a lot for a warehouse, especially if you're moving parts in and out. So that kind of makes sense that that's what they're going to do. There is also some indication that there will be a warehouse uh, doing similar things in St. Louis. So we'll keep an eye on that. And our final story this week, electronics manufacturer Foxconn wants to build EVs for Tesla and other companies. Currently, Foxconn builds consumer electronics for companies like Apple. Like if you use a personal uh, electronic of some kind, a consumer electronic of some kind, Foxconn probably builds it. They build a lot of them. Apple isn't the only company that they use, but they're probably one of the bigger ones. Foxconn chairman, and I won't try to, I'm not going to butcher their name because uh, I, I I simply cannot pronounce it, uh, noted that Foxconn is looking at EV manufacturing as its new frontier and is hoping to build EVs for Tesla and other auto manufacturers in the, in the future. Now, as far as Tesla goes, I don't think this is, this is a very likely scenario. I don't think that Tesla would want to add the complications of a third party uh, into the mix when they've already got their own thing set up and it's doing pretty well. Also, if Tesla used Foxconn to build their cars, there's a very good chance that that would eat into some of their margins. And right now they have really good margins. Foxconn's goal is to manufacture 5% of vehicles in the EV market by 2025. <laughs> to which I say you better get a move on. Currently, Foxconn is building the Lordstown Endurance because they partnered with Lordstown Motors in Lordstown, Ohio. Uh, to, and they've built a few of those uh, Endurance pickup trucks. I'm not sure how many, but it's not a lot. And in the not too distant future, Foxconn will build the Fisker Pair. The Fisker Pair we haven't really seen. We've seen some t teaser photos, but we haven't really seen too much about it. Now, the Fisker Ocean will go into production next month. Uh, but that will be built by Magnus, and I think that's in Austria. Uh, the Fisker Pair will actually be built uh, in Lordstown, Ohio, next to the Lordstown Endurance. Now, Foxconn has said publicly in the past that they don't want to build an EV brand of their own. Uh, they want to partner with other EV manufacturers to build their cars. Now, remember what I just said, because I'm going to completely contradict that, because Foxconn just announced an electric pickup truck and an electric crossover. Last year, I didn't, I don't think I remember this, but Foxconn unveiled their first EV, the Foxtron Model C. So the company's called Foxconn, and their, their first EV is called the Foxtron Model C. I, I, I don't think I know that this happened, but maybe I did. Maybe we talked about it and I just forgot. Originally, I was going to read what Foxtron or Foxconn had said about the Model B, which again is the crossover, and the Model V, which was the pickup truck. But ultimately, it didn't really say anything. So, so to save, you know, not to waste your time, I'm just not going to read it. The Model B will have a drag coefficient of 0.26, which is actually pretty decent. Uh, it'll have a range, according to Foxtron, Con, I'm just going to call it Foxconn, of 450 kilometers or about 280 miles. 
And the EV pickup truck is going to be double cab, five seat configuration with sensors all over the body. All of these things that Foxconn is saying about these vehicles is it's basically just words until they start mass producing this car. Like we really don't know what the specs are going to be. It's too far, too far out for that. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but it will be coming here to North America and uh, I would assume Europe and, and other uh, regions as well. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for more companies entering the EV space and, you know, doing something different. I hope whatever Foxtron or Foxconn does, it's going to be affordable. I don't know what else to say here, honestly. So I'm just going to say I wish them luck. Good luck, Foxconn. All right, everybody, that is it for our show this week. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Tesla's earnings call will be on Thursday. Honestly, I have a very busy day on Thursday because I got a bunch of uh, parent-teacher conferences I have to go to and a bunch of other stuff going on. So that episode might not be released until Friday, just so you know. But yeah, that's it. I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. I hope you all have a wonderful day and I will talk to you next week. No, not next week. I will talk to you in a few days. Honestly, I'm so dumb. I have no idea why any of you listen to the show. Take care, everybody. I'll talk to you in a couple of days. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.